Uh, we're going to be uh, blessed this morning by Kevin. So could you make him feel welcome as he comes to share with us? I don't speak a lot these days, but uh, when I do get invited, and I love being invited by Darren and Nikki and, and to come and share with you here because I feel loved here, but I get all nervous. I don't know. I, you know, I, I had a bit of a bump in my life five years ago, and I lost a lot of confidence. So yeah, I get nervous. But as driving here, I'm thinking, oh, why did I say yes to come? And, uh, and I, I, I'm going to an Anglican church on a Tuesday, and I said yes to them. And I'm, but as soon as I got here, you know, I just sensed this word of the Lord and uh, I just sensed that God is, you know, you just walked in here and you can sense. I said it last time to you, but it's even building more. There's a beautiful sense of what God's doing amongst you. And he's bringing together some beautiful people here and he's doing some unique things in you. So it's good to kind of just slip into that and just to, to be able to share. So Father, I just thank you for this beautiful church, this beautiful group of people. You join together by your Holy Spirit. You've brought from all different places and all different experiences and all different uh, all, all things that they've gone through and you've, you've brought them to this place. And you're knitting them together with your love. Through various activities and various connections, you're knitting them together. And Lord, you're filling them with a purpose and a plan that you have for this region and for the regions that they touch beyond this city that they're called to touch. And so, Lord, I pray this morning as you've just given me a very simple word, but a, a very important word out of your red, red hot letters, your red hot words that you spoke. And I pray that you would just imprint it on our hearts this morning and it would help us in that bigger picture of what you're doing in this house. Holy Spirit, we're just so welcome you here. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, I, I've had the privilege of pastoring churches for over 30 odd years. Small churches, big churches, unusual churches, boring churches, exciting churches. And um, I tell you what, there's nothing more beautiful when, when things are working together for a common purpose, for a common goal, for a common vision that God's placed. And, and, and that goes for any area, whether it's that thing as a family. It's beautiful to see a family functioning together. A business when business people and partners are, are just enjoying what they're doing and championing one another and you walk into them businesses and sometimes have the privilege of doing you say, wow, the lift in this place is just immense, you know, and, and there's this vibe that something's happening over the place and when a sport team is doing well and, or a band and of course what I'm talking about this morning is a church. I mean, it's like poetry on legs. It's just moving, you know, and it doesn't even look at like any effort. It's like music from the heart. and It's like that psalm that we read, that great psalm, Psalm 133. It says, how good, how good, oh, how good and how pleasant. It is when God's people live together, work together, worship together. Do life together in unity. It is like the precious oil poured upon the uh, on the head, running down the uh, the beard, running down Aaron's beard. It was it's kind of a hard picture to imagine, but when they anointed people in the day, they poured a horn of oil over the new king or the new prophet, and that oil ran down. It must have looked when you were in the assembly hall when this anointing was happening. As well, wow, look at that. 
you know, like a whole wall of oil and just, you know, he looked like he was ready for the barbecue, you know. And uh, it must have been exciting. And then he talks about it, says, like the Jew that's running down Mount Hermon and falling there from Mount Zion, it says, for there, in that place, in that good and pleasant place of people working together in unity it says the Lord bestows a blessing in life forevermore. It's like he looks at his people just doing stuff together in love and unity and he says oh let it flow! Let it go! Love it! Oh! I just want to be part of it! I am! I'll jump all over it! Oh! Stomp out the new wine and, and I reckon he just loves it when he sees his children just getting along like parents that look at their siblings, not fighting, you know, but loving one another and sharing the Xbox control and just the TV and the Netflix and everything else that's in the household. It's just good and it's pleasant. And the parents said, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing more beautiful than, than to be part of that thing, you know, for, uh, like I prayed in the beginning, to be part of a church. And uh, honestly, I, you know, I've been part of their churches there. Uh, and just working together and you just walk into the house and there's this just feeling of lift and it's just beautiful and said uh, then people that have been drawn together woven together knit together by the love of God and moving to that common version I mean the the I suppose the scripture in the New Testament that aligns with that one in Psalms is this one in, in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 he says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship. You know, Darren just said, just go alongside of there and you'll see a new area that we've developed, the fellowship area, another fellowship area. Oh, you can never have enough fellowship areas. You know, last night, what a fellowship area that was last night. You know, turning our houses into fellowship. Fellowship's kind of, you know, Aboriginal term for a couple of, a couple of fellas on a ship, mate. <laughs> and nothing like a couple of fellas on a ship fishing, you know. Oh, great stuff. And anyways, um, it says teaching and fellowship to the, to the breaking of bread, you know, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, you know. I mean, you can imagine that church, you know, just you know, people going, oh, whatever an awe is. Like. They were filled with awe. Uh, Alex, Alex told me, you know, because we've been part of churches that have seen a move of God and some of us have come through them churches and, you know, you were saying to me last night, it was like that time in the 90s when the, the move of God hit our group of churches and it really did. There was just people getting saved every week and you'd walk in going, oh, we're going to get ready for church. Oh, you know, there was this awe as you walked in. What, what's God going to do today? And it was just that, wow, this sense of excitement, you know. And, uh, it, and it's that all filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold properties and possessions and gave to everybody that was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in one another's homes. You know, it would be wonderful. I mean, I love communion, but just you're just having dinner at somebody's house and just suddenly you go, hey, there's bread there, there's wine or grape juice. Let's just... Let's just break bread now, you know. Or should we do that? We just meant to do that. No, just let's do it together and just thank the Lord, you know. And just this natural flow of God's life and love flowing through the house. And it says they, they broke bread in the homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And in that place of praising God and enjoying one another, not enduring, but enjoying one another, the Lord's just adding 
daily to their number, people that are coming to know Christ. It's just that God can move in that place. You see, it's in that place where the Lord does the adding. Miracles were happening. People were being, people were being fulfilled. Needs were being met. You know, generosity was flowing naturally just amongst the people. And the community was being influenced and impacted in a major way. It's a wonderful thing. But there's nothing worse when a church is divided. Or a business. Or a family. When there's fighting. When there's dissensions. When there's divisions. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 verse 25. It says every kingdom. Doesn't matter what kingdom it is. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city, every household will divide again, will not be able to stand, will not be able to have influence. And the devil knows that. The devil knows the key to destroying the church. And in destroying the church, he'll destroy the impact that church can have on its community and people coming to know Christ. And so he just comes into a church and he just uh, starts to, uh, you know, he starts to do things. He starts to, his number one mission is to divide. If he can divide a husband and wife, he'll ruin that family. If he can divide a, a, a business partner, he's just got to divide them. I'll put things in their heart, jealousies into Oh, I love this stuff. Oh, I work with it. You know, and he puts stuff in our head and, you know, and we keep it in our head and entertain it and... And it ends up, and then he suddenly divides, and he rules over that thing, you know. And it's a horrible thing, you know. He puts there into the hearts and minds of the Tater family. I often used to think of the Tater family. There's no Taters in here, is there? But the Tater family, you know, Miss, uh, Mr. Spectator and Mrs. Dictator, and they've got a couple of kids called Irritators and Aggravators. <laughs> he works with that crowd, the Tater family. <laughs> That's how Hitler conquered Europe. He divided the nations and he moved in and he ruled with his horrible kind of leadership and destroyed the lives of millions of people. We need to realise division, where division and and disunity comes from. I love the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. It talks about how a husband and wife should get along, how parents and children should get along, how... Uh, you know, business people should get along, how people in church should get along. And then it says in verse 10, and we know that verse, finally, after you've done all the practical things to love one another and get along with one another, finally realise that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of darkness, the rulers in heavenly realms that will come down and work amongst us to divide. Be aware of that. That yes, am I doing everything practical? Okay, I've got that in place, but realise... Constantly as a church, be aware that the enemy works in unusual ways to divide. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We need to, you know, do war over the heavenlies in them, in them situations. You think, why are you preaching this, Kev, this morning? This church is just full of love and unity at the moment. I know. I know it is. I can feel it. I could feel it last night. You know, the men didn't want to leave. Even pouring, well, not pouring rain, drizzling rain. They were there just talking to one another and eating pizzas and, and just enjoying the favour of one another. It was wonderful. And, uh, you know, it's just a beautiful union. Why am I sharing it now? Because now's a great time to share it. There is a real love and unity. There is a, a feeling and a sense of what uh, God is going to do in this place. And there's something building in this place I've written here, you know. I sense that. 
I sense it so strong. I do, over the years, know the moves of God and the seasons of a church. And you are, it's not like you're, you're vastly moving in it, but there's a building over this place every time I've come. And it's just a beautiful thing. And we've got to, in this point of time, when we're living in this love and unity, maintain that. Cultivate that. Be aware of the opposite. Cherish it. Build it. Because that unity of the Spirit will draw the anointing of God like nothing else. Draw the presence of God. And it's the presence of God. In thy presence is fullness of joy and life forevermore. You know, it's in that place the blessings of God are released. And the life of God and the power of God moves in a church. We sometimes think so much if we twink our sound system, if we twink our program. We go to conferences where we can twink all sorts of things. But what we need to twink is one another. And our love for one another. Because if we can get that love for one another so dynamic, there will be an anointing of God come upon the church that will affect and they'll know that we belong to him, the Bible says. So powerful. And that's the stuff we've got to keep on working and building with. And that's why Jesus, his last prayer before a a last couple of prayers when he was on a cross, his last prayer was for unity. And if you've got your Bibles... These words are in red, so we're going we're to have a look at them. It's the only part I'll have you turn to. You can just write down the other references to save a bit of time. But this one, uh, I phoned up Darren. I said, oh, Darren, please tell me what you think God wants me to share with your church. You tell I'm a bit of a lazy pastor. And um, because I've not pastored a church for five years, I, I find it difficult hearing the word of the Lord for what God's got for this church. But... Uh, by the time I sent him that message and by the time he got back to me, I was knowing the Lord and God just dropped this word into my heart. He just this, this scripture here. And all Darren said to me, he said, well, we're just preaching this year on the, the red letters, the words of Jesus. And I looked, I said, yeah, it's, it's red, it's in red. <laughs> so that doesn't mean stop, it's go, go. Okay, my prayer is, oh, sorry, yeah, oh, you pick it up in the spirit. Um, <coughs> chapter, chapter 17. Verse 20. Yeah, no, no, in John. <laughs> oh, I can't give you every clue. Come on. You've got to leave a little bit to the... John. Uh, John chapter 17, verse 20. Okay. There we go. <laughs> My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those that will believe. He's talking about you and I there. He prayed this prayer looking down the corridors of history and he saw you and I here today and he said, I'm praying for them as well, not just for this crowd I've got here, not for this motley crew alone, but for the people that were yet to believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me And that I have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory 
You have given me because you loved me from the, before the creation of the world. It's a beautiful prayer that he's just praying over not only his disciples there, and it's his last prayer because he wants to them to remember this prayer. You know, you always, when you're leaving a house, you, you say to the kids the most important thing, remember this, you know, and he's saying to his kids, I want this prayer to be important. It's my last prayer for you. The main prayer is that you would be one. It's me and the Father. I, I'm in the Father and he's in me. I want you guys to be into us and that we're going to be together, that we're on a mission together. It's a wonderful thing, you know, and uh, that, that this, this amazing thing called unity. And um, what I want to do this morning is I just want to drop a couple of keys that I've learned and still learning over the years into the heart of this church that will help us cultivate that prayer of Jesus, that will help us outwork that prayer of Jesus. Some things will be spiritual, some things will be practical. But let me share some principles, some keys in building and fostering the oneness that Jesus was talking about in that prayer. Number one, unity is not conformity, but diversity working together. You like that? Unity is not conformity, but diversity working together. Some of us have been part of churches where you've had to conform <laughs> to the pattern of this church and and yeah, there's sometimes been a control and a manipulation and a wrong style of leadership come across and you need to just let that stuff go, okay? Because, because real unity is not conformity. Wearing the same clothes, thinking the same things, feeling the same things. We're all unique and we're all different. It's diversity, a diverse amount of people, but working together for that common goal and that purpose, knit together by the love of God. I've learned over the years that different is not bad, it's just different. Hey? Different is not bad, they're different. Well, that's okay. It's not bad, it's just different. Oh, well, that makes the pressure go off, doesn't it? Well, it does. They don't have to be like, no, we wouldn't want them like you. Too much of you, and, you know. You know, I said to one old dry soul in the church, he said, I said, if everybody was like you, then we'd dry up. <laughs> but if everybody's like me, we'd blow up. <laughs> but if we're like, you know, together in collaboration, we'll grow up <laughs> into him. And um, difference in bad is just different. And, and there's, there's all, we, we all have differences because of our gifting, because of the calling of God that's upon our life. Because of our personality. Because of our motivation. Some, something motivates us differently in the church, you know. You know, I mean, you can see a sound technician in the church and, and they're so excited about the new sound desk and they're so excited about this new technology that's come out and you're thinking, what the heck? <laughs> they're so excited. Different things motivate us. And that's a good thing. Uh, you know, we've come from different cultures, different religious influences, different cultural influences, different backgrounds. We've had different encounters, different experiences. And that's why it says 
develop this unity of the spirit. It's a unity of the spirit. It's not a unity of, of dress code, a unity of, you know, the denominational thing that we've come from or going into. It's not a unity of the, the peripheral things on the outside. It's a unity of the spirit that there's something brought us here together. And something of God's love is knitting us together. It's a spirit thing. And it goes beyond our personalities and our preferences. It's a unity of the spirit. And you see, it also involves the way we see Jesus. Should we all see Jesus the same way? No. That's why there's Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. I mean, you look at them books. Matthew saw Jesus as the son of man. There's more accounts of the, the word son of man in his, in his gospel than any other. He saw, he said, he's the son of man. He's not 50% God and 50% man. He is 100% God and 100% man. It's, it's the revelation that God instead. Whoa, that's a wonderful revelation. There's another sermon. Guys, the crown and jewel of theology, I think, it's what releases into the world and be real and relatable. But anyway, that's it. Get off that one. You know, but Mark, I love Mark. He must have been a Pentecostal. He just, by chapter two, was already casting out devils, you know. I mean, I'll skip the, skip the immaculate conception and everything else. Let's see the miracles. And Mark was right into a chapter two, casting out devils, healing the sick. You think, that, that guy has got to be Pentecostal bent. Actually, Mark followed Peter, and Peter was a wild man. You know, he actually, it's actually Peter's gospel. Mark actually wrote Peter's gospel. Maybe Peter was lazy, right? And he just, but Mark followed him around and wrote that. Luke, Luke was the only Jewish non, the non-Jewish writer in the whole of the Bible, a unique gospel, my favourite actually. He looked at Jesus as a friend of sinners. To him, Jesus was this friend of sinners. You know, he was a friend of a prostitute. He was a friend of a tax collector. He was going to the tax collector's place to have parties, taking his disciples along. He was, he was a friend of a, a Roman centurion and actually healed one of his servants, for goodness sake, outside of the faith and everything. Well, you wouldn't have it, would you? And he, he, all the way through, even right up to the cross, he had two guys on either side and one of them rejected him and one of them said, you know, uh, accepted him. All the way through, he's got this picture, the lost coin, the lost son, the lost... The, 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 the Samaritan story, you know? He's got all of these in chapter 15 of Luke. It says, by now, a groundswell of unchurched people, of, of sinners and tax collectors were gathering around him. Luke just observed this, that he was a friend of sinners, and sinners were attracted to him. And John, of course, saw him as the, the son of God. And that's why only 3% of what's in all the other Gospels is in John's. It's just this revelation of Jesus, the son of God. And yeah, that really sets him apart from the powerful gospel because what makes Christianity different than every other religion? Well, Buddha never said he was God. Muhammad never said he was God. But Jesus said, no, I'm God, I'm God in skin. You know, that's a now powerful revelation. And of course, you know, we, we all see Jesus in different ways because of the... Because we read the Bible, the way we read the Bible. You know, we read the Bible, we see Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and we think, well, he's a good Anglican, he's a great teacher. You know, I mean, he just put that together so well. He's a real teacher. I mean, nobody can put it together like the Anglicans. All the Anglicans said, yeah, not one of them. And, uh, but then we saw him giving a parable, and oh, he's got a bit light, light and fluffy here. He must be one of them Church of Christ. He must have gone Church of Christ, you know, telling stories now. 
and kind of adding a couple of scriptures to the story. Goodness, moving shallow. You know, must be a Prezi or a Church of Christ, you know, not deep. And then he starts feeding the multitude who think he's got Salvation Army, for goodness sake, you know. <laughs> and then we see him baptising people, and I think, oh no, he's gone Baptist. Oh no, repent, become Baptist. You know, for all have fallen short of the assemblies of God. You know, he's. he's, 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 he's a, <laughs> And he said, oh, boys, he's, he's gone Baptist. And then he started healing and casting out devils with each strike a light. He's gone Pentecostal. He's oh, the Spirit of the Holy Ghost has dropped all over him and he's gone wild, you know. Next he'll be talking in tongues and swinging off the chandeliers, you know. I mean, wow. And then, you know, we even see him talking to Mary, his mother. You think, well, he's gone Catholic on us, you know what I mean? <laughs> And uh, then, of course, we see him standing up for some social justice things concerning the government of the day. And we think, wow, he's gone uniting church. He's really gone, he's really gone really, really worldly here. And then, of course, what I love, we see him turning water into wine and he, we think he's joined my mob. <laughs> and your mob. <laughs> oh, oppa, oppa. <laughs> he's gone Italian and Greek. <laughs> oh, I love that the church was born in the Greek and uh, Roman Greco culture, you know, because uh, if it wasn't, it would be full of dry toast, I reckon. <laughs> but, you know, the culture of the Greeks and the Italians, just a beautiful culture, you know. And mia la casa la tua casa. Is that wrong? This is my only Italian. And I uh, just want to say that to you. If you're ever up in Newcastle, mia la casa la tua casa. And, um, but there's just a beautiful culture. But we all see Jesus in a different way, you know. And, uh, and so different isn't bad. It's just different, you know. Unity isn't conformity. Number two is keep allowing the Holy Spirit to develop our attitudes. That's why Jesus' first sermon, or the first message to the group of people that he was forming together was attitude. Attitude is a wonderful thing that we've got to keep on developing in. It's the way we think, it's the way we feel. It comes out of our thinking, you know, that's why we constantly need to check up and from the neck up and get all the stinking thinking out and allow God's thinking to come in. Because that stuff will separate us. It'll divide us. Attitude is everything. It'll affect the way you see things, it'll affect the way you treat people, it'll affect the way you handle problems. I love this scripture in Philippians, if you've got your Bibles, just turn to Philippians and I, I so much see the leadership of this church in this verse. Uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Jesus Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit, and in one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, rather in humility, valuing others better above yourself, not looking at your own interests, but each, but each of you looking to the interests of others in your relationship with one another. Have the same attitude, mindset of Jesus Christ. Keep on developing our attitude. An attitude that will make you a better team player, a better team leader. I love last night when Peter passed on the baton to Michael over here. It's just beautiful spirit. 
You know, there's just a, there's an ease, you know, passing on. There was no jealousy, there was no selfish ambition. And I, I'm not blowing smoke up this couple's kilt, but, you know, because they don't wear one, but... <laughs> but if they were from Mundanoon, they would. They, uh, and, um, but there's no ambition about... I've known this couple for years. There's no ambition at I mean, there's, there's desire and drive for the Lord, but there's no selfish ambition. He's never been a ladder climber. He's never been pushing other people aside and speaking ill of other people. He's just, just a lover of people and a releaser. You know? Doesn't see himself as a superstar and... You know, and I think that flows on down. I think, Michael, you, I was told, you said, when you come in the band, there's no prima donnas here, and it's easy to just fit into. And, and that's the type of church you need. You know, and I can see it all the way through the leaders. You know, just that beautiful, humble spirit. See it over you two, at the back there. It's flowing. It just flows right through this place, and, uh, and it's a wonderful thing. And, uh, so keep on nurturing that and... This was just a, a little add-on here. It's not kind of an extra point, but, but honour your leadership, your eldership. Don't worship them, because some of you come out of places where they worship the senior leader, and now he's got a special park, and he's got this and that, and it's a little bit over the top. We all know that. We've been through some of that, some of us. But honour your leader, because it's in that place when Jesus actually walked in to his hometown. He was doing miracles here, miracles there, got to his hometown, nothing happened, because they had no honour. They just treated him like he was, oh, it's the old carpenter's son. What's he doing here? Trying to, trying to run a church, hey? Isn't he that little runaway, that kid that used to tear around the neighbourhood on his scooter? You know, I mean, we remember him. And they looked at him in a natural way and it took away the spiritual power of him. And there was no release of the life of God, but everywhere else there was a move of God. People were sucking power out of him because they just had this honour. And, and I find that in a church. You know, I remember when I was 23, way too young, way too educated, but I got given this church of about 60 people, started to grow, got up to about 100, and I was 24 now. You know, I was really rolling, you know, and then... And we had to move into this big warehouse to rent it, and, and the elders said, we're not signing the lease and putting a house. And I, I respected that, but, but a guy came to me. And he'd only been saved a year, he was twice my age. And he says, no worries, I've got a big house, give I'll sign the lease. I said, you don't have to. I'll mention his name, Ted. I said, you don't have to, Ted. I oh, know I want to. Can I ask you why you want to? He said, the day you come into this church, I saw you were God's man for the place. He said, I saw something. He said, you, you had this thing called vision and, and it empowered me. So I didn't fully believe in myself back then. But that honouring lifted me. Lifted him too. We ended up coming on staff years later, running a whole department. And, and the church, of course, grew to over a thousand, uh, up to a thousand people eventually. But it was back then when there was an honouring, there was a release of life as we moved into that building. I mean, the church, whole church owns the building now. But back then we were just going to lease it. There was just an honouring. And I thought, you, you shared a story last night of somebody in this church just, you were surprised. They came to you, older, expert in business, you know, and they came to you and there was a flow of God's power. It's a wonderful thing. And so don't worship your leaders, but honour them and appreciate them because there is a release of God there, you know. Number three, love one another, care for one another, look after one another. 
just love one another. Jesus said, a, a, a new commandment I give unto you, that you would love one another as I have loved you. you say, well, that's not new. That's always been around. It is new. It's new because of this. He said, because of, as I have loved you. Not just love one another, but a radical love. You see, actually, up until that stage, the God kind of love was not invented. It was never seen. But when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, they had to describe his love in another word. You see, there was eros love, erotic love. There was filio love, friendship love. There was a family love. There was, you know, a number of words in the Hebrew and Greek language. But there was no word when they were writing the Bible for the God kind of love. It was called agape. They had to create because they saw a radical love. That when your enemy struck you on that cheek, you'd turn the other one. That's radical. When the, your, a Roman centurion say, carry my luggage a kilometre, you'd say, I'll take it too, buddy. Come on, let's go. <laughs> he said, when he asked for your jacket, he said, I'll give you my trousers as well. You know, I mean, steady up there. But it was just this radical love that he taught his followers. So radical was their love, they died for that love. You know, he hung on that cross for that love. And to, 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 for him to express that love, I mean, his love was so rich. It reached into prostitutes and, and uh, tax collectors and, and Roman centurions, some of the most hated people in that community of the day. But his love was so radical, it, 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 it could reach anywhere. It could love anybody. It could accept and embrace and release anybody because it wasn't afraid. It was a love without any fear. It just had the courage to go where no person would consider going. And, and you know, it was just amazing. And we, we need to foster that love. And, you know, the Bible is just full of scriptures about that. I'll, I'll, read, I'll read one of them here in Colossians, if you're writing. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other and forgive each other. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. All the way through the, 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 the scriptures, it talks of, you know, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. We've just got to have such radical love that we look beyond our indifferences, beyond our hurts and our disappointments. You're going to be hurt and disappointed in this church. Let me tell you, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I want to tell you now. Save you getting shot later on. You know why you're going to get hurt? Because you're here. You're here, and I'm here. And we're human. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to do silly things. We're going to say silly things. And until we go to be with him, we're not going to be perfected. And so if you do get hurt, let God's love be so rich. Let it be so powerful that it causes you to look beyond. I was sitting in the church that I attend and in walks this guy from 10 years ago. We, he ran a charity next to the charity that I was running the church and he treated us pretty mean. He treated us pretty rude. You know, and, um, and he walks in and I said, hey, Greg, I'm an Anglican minister now down the road. And I am. Yeah, I just had a good day off, and I thought I'd come to this church because you've got a big sign out front. It's okay not to be okay. And I said, Yeah, that's why I come along. You know, finally, you found a place that accept me. And um, <laughs> and um, 
And he sat next to me, and we had a great chat, and he introduced him around, and maybe just give him a big hug, and he sent me an email, I won't read it because it's got a little bit of French in it, and um, he said, Kev, would you come and speak in our church this Tuesday? He said, um, he said I, I just can't help but get past the fact that you probably should have told me to get lost, but you treated me like we had no indifference before in the way I treated you. And you think, Did, didn't you? Actually, I didn't even think of it when it was there. It's water on a duck's back, let them all go. You know, we've got to be like one of them non-stick bright bands. You know, I like them ones. <laughs> oh, they cook eggs well, don't they, you know? They're non-stick. You don't even have to put butter on some of them, you know? It's just, woohoo! You know, and, and we've got to be like them non-stick. Don't let that stuff stick to you. Because once it starts to stick to you, it messes you up. It messes you up. And so, let it all go. And Number four, don't be scared of conflict. Don't be scared of indifference. Don't be scared of, you know, problems happening in the life of the church. Paul actually said, I hear that there's disagreements among you. Woohoo! And he said, to some degree, I can believe it. Why? Because you're human. There's going to be disagreements. It's going to be... You're not all going to agree on everything. You have different ideas. You know? And yes, don't be shocked at that. He said, he said, in fact, Paul said, he goes on in Corinthians saying, and it's good that this happens because it'll show which of you will work out with God's approval. You see, life is not, not just what happens to us, it's, it's the way we respond to it and how we deal with it. I find that these things can strengthen us and build us. They can develop us and uh, make us stronger for what God's called us to do. In my work, I work with young people in residential care with a lot of behavioural issues. And, uh, and it's a wonderful job at times, but it's a very tough job at times. I mean, with one boy, he swore at me every day for a whole year. And he hit me and he smashed walls and he was, had, had a reactive attachment disorder because of the hurt that he felt in his life of being rejected. And I just had to understand him. And I just had to love him. I couldn't not allow him to tell him that I loved him, but I, tell him, I told him that I really cared for him. Even when he was swearing at me and abusing me. And that was about um, uh, two and a half years ago. He's an older boy now in care. I look after his house occasionally when I do an overtime shift. In fact, I did one on Thursday. And... Uh, he, he run at me and just hugged me. And that, that's been happening at, at probably months after because when he moved out of my house, I said to the management, can I still work with him? They said, are you serious? I said, yeah. They said, you've seen a lot of change in me. I mean, he dropped 25 kilos and lost weight because we exercised together and we just did life. But when I did the four days, he loved me from the beginning, but when I was leaving for four days break, he cursed me. <laughs> Because that reactive attachment disorder. You're not going to hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me, and then I'll act as hurt. And I understood that. I read his past, and I thought, wow. You know, how would I feel if I went through that? But we are the best of friends. He actually got permission to hug me in our company. You're not allowed to, you know, kids aren't allowed to, but he got permission from management. You're allowed to hug Kev. He's, he said, he's like a father to me, you know, and hugged me. He said, what are we going to do tonight? Well, we'll have to see what the other guys are doing. But he said, do you reckon we can have a haircut? You know, I said, let's go for a haircut together. And, uh, you know, we were taking, oh, it was just a great night. It's a wonderful thing. And so what I'm saying in this is 
I often say to new people that come into our company, they say, how do you handle the escalations and breakages and the abuse? And I said, don't survive the shift. Live it. Throw yourself into it because you know what? You're going to learn, they're going to grow, and it's going to be in another place. Don't worry about conflict. It's going to happen. Disagreement. But you're going to grow through it. Some of my greatest friends in the body of Christ are some people that have had the biggest disagreements with me. I used to travel down to Tasmania so often. Uh, I used to get the privilege of speaking in front of all the conferences down there. And, and I was just kept look, I could never change for anybody. I was just myself, uh, which endeared some people to me and caused some people not to like me. And I understood that. I've lived with that for all, all my life. And, and, uh, but this one guy on the staff of the church just hated me. And in fact, when I went up to speak here, you know, there he was listening to Phil Pringle and a few other speakers, and then I got, he walk out. And he started going, you should stay. I'm not staying for that guy. He's this and that. And, you know, and I didn't know any of this. You know, he, this is why he told me later on, when he came to preach in my church years later, <laughs> when we become the best of buddies. Because actually, just before I was about to speak, I thought, I'd better go to the toilet. And he's in the toilet because he was running out of the meeting. And I said, G'day, Bill, how you doing, mate? Good to see you. And he said, oh, I said, I've got something in my eye. Like that, just to hear something out in the eye. He didn't. But God said to him, yeah, you've got something in your eye, that's for sure. <laughs> A big blooming plank. <laughs> And he broke down and come back into the meeting. He told me all this later. He ended up running his own church now and I've had the privilege of going down there. We're the best of buddies. He came up and he told the whole story to my church, you know. That helped them understand me better. <laughs> People that had the same feelings thought, oh, I relate to that. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is some of these things, that's why it says in the Bible, bear with one another in love. Because they put up with one another a bit. You see, in the Bible it talks about the church becoming a net. The kingdom of God is like a net that's cast into the community and brings in all kinds of fish. You see, nets are made by interweaving and crossing. You've been crossed yet? It'll happen. Time. And that net is tested by stretching. You've been stretched yet? It'll happen. <laughs> And pulled and feels awkward. But that net becomes strong, something useful in the, the boss's hand. Know you need to be here. Know that the Holy Spirit, and I tell you, as Darren were telling me stories, and other people were telling me stories how they got here, there's a real sense of God bringing people into this place. And be a church that realises this church isn't going to be for every Christian. Well, let other churches fill up too. Don't be like that. We're the church, you know. I remember I used to write in our bulletin, we are one of the many great churches in our city. We'd love to be part of your life, but if you don't think we're in, let us help you direct you to another one. And I would do that because I believed in the other churches. I really do. I, I still do. I believe that the, the, the kingdom of God, you know. And I, and, uh, and I believe that. I, I remember being at a pub one night and having a couple of beers with guys that were disenfranchised with church. And this guy told me a story of being disenfranchised and hurt by the church. He loves God but hates the church. And, uh, but by the end of a couple of beers and friendship, he said, you know, I think I might come to your church tomorrow. And I said, you know what? As I'm talking to you, I don't think you meant to. But there is a church near your house, close to your address, 
that I reckon you will love. He also spoke to me in the conversation about losing a girlfriend in the last year, which that complicates things, you know, and, um, and how hurt that made me. And I, I thought it was just me saying, I, I said, you're really fitting that church and you'll find your wife there. I just threw that in as a joke. Yeah, after two minutes, you, you're saying sort of things. <laughs> you get a bit of a word of the Lord and then you just get, you know, bold and say, and you'll find your wife there. Anyway, I went to preach at that church a month later and he was on the sound desk already. I said, John o, John o. Webb, his name was. Johnny Webb. Oh, yeah, Johnny. He said, I love it. This is the greatest church. And then he goes, where's my wife? That's what he said. And so, as bold as I am, I went like this. There she is. It's the pastor's daughter. And her name's Webb. She won't have to change her last name. Hey. You beauty. I had the privilege of doing the wedding about a year later. Hey. And they're still married today. It wasn't one of their programs, you know. Hey. But just... Just to marry the first side. <laughs> and uh, that's a true story. I have to say that with some of my stories because they're hard to believe. Even I think I, I don't believe that happened. Did that just happen? <laughs> I have a chuckle. And, um, and the last one is simply this. is Just keep on seeing the bigger picture. Keep on seeing the bigger picture. The bigger picture of what we're part of. Don't just look at your part. And, and what you're involved in. And that your program's running well, therefore I won't worry about the kids' church. It's like them people in the boat, you know, and uh, people at the other end of the boat, there was a leak at their end, and these two, the, 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 they were at the other end, and, and they go, thank goodness the leak's not at our end. <laughs> you know? No, if there's a leak, we all help. If there's something good happening, we all praise God, and we cheer, we see the bigger picture. In between running churches, I'd just get myself as a labourer. I'd align myself with a briggy or a builder, and I'd be a champion labourer. I told them what wage I'd needed for the day. And yeah, I told them, yeah, I can't pay you that. Yes, you can, because I work for it. My goodness way. You know? <laughs> and, um, and, and I was a briggy's labourer on this. You know, and uh, if people came to me and say, what are you doing? I'm the electrician, the wire in the house. What are you doing? I'm the plumber. I'm putting all the plumbing in. What are you doing? I'm the bricky. They come to me. They say, what are you doing here, Kev? I said, I'm building a house. <laughs> you're building the house. Well, you're just mixing mud and tossing bricks. Oh, don't you get be deceived about that. There's a lot of stuff you know to do. I toss bricks good. I mix the best mud. And I know the bigger picture. I'm building the house, buddy. See that one down the road? I built that last week. <laughs> you built it. My word, I did. Because I saw the bigger picture. You're not just a guitar player. You're not just a home group leader. I'm just a kids' church worker. I just run a men's group. I just do this. I just run the sound desk. No. We're building the house of God. We're part of that dream that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. He said, I'll build my church. It's going to be a wonderful church. And the gates of hell... And every devil involved will not stop it, just a bunch of... And, uh, yeah, I'm going to build my church, and we're part of that. We're building the house of God together. What are you doing here? You're building the house. You're building the kingdom. Why don't we stand this morning before I hand it back, hey? Why don't we stand? If we can, if you're holding baby, stay seated.
or you're just tired because it's Sunday and you've had a big Wednesday season. For those that can, just stand. Father, I just thank you for this wonderful church. I thank you for the wonderful things that you're doing in it. The verse I feel is in Isaiah 60, it says, Arise, shine, for, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord will be upon you. And his glory will appear upon you. Yes, there's a thick darkness over the people out there in the community, but the Lord will rise upon you. And uh, Isaiah 60. Let that scripture emanate in your heart. I'll bring your sons and your daughters from, from afar. The blessings of God will fall upon this house. The richness of heaven will build upon this place. Flow of God's riches and glory will just work amongst you and do good in your marriage, do good in your relationships, do good in your business and your work and your career. Whatever you do and put your hand to, God will bless. Let the richness of what God's doing in the house flow out there into every aspect of your life. Folks, love one another deeply. Love one another so richly. Love until it hurts. It's hard to love some people, but love and keep on loving. Because love's the greatest. Yeah, hope's wonderful. Pulls you through dark moments. And faith's brilliant. Oh, but love, that's the greatest stuff. Let it fill our hearts here today in Jesus' wonderful name. I don't often prophesy or have words for people, but I... What, what's your name? What? I didn't even know you were Michael Sack because he was up on stage. And, and I was just sitting behind you earlier on and, uh, you know, I <clears throat> just saw the hand of God on you. So strong. God's going to use you in a wonderful way. Remember God in your youth. And I, I can see that you do. I was just watching you. I thought, I hope he doesn't go to kids' church. I want to say that to him. But God's hands upon your life. Father, I just pray all your blessings over this young man. Let what you've done in his grandfather's life and his father, his, his grand, great-grandfather, his grandfather and, he, and, he, and his father here and his mother, let that blessing of who you are and everything you're about flow through this young man. Raise him up do amazing things for him. When you're doing some of them things, you remember. You remember. I, I remember God's hand. Somebody said that to me when I was, how old are you? 13. I was a bit younger than 13. Somebody said that to me. I thought, what are they saying? That's a bit weird. And then some of them ladies come to my church. 20 years later and said, I told you there was something on your life. Not that you're going to run a church, I don't know. But God's going to do some great things for you. You never let go of the, the hand of God upon your life because God's hand is a wonderful thing. Thank you, brother, for yesterday. Good things over your lives. Wonderful things. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful church. Thank you. Great to be here this morning. If you don't know Jesus, just while everybody's heads bowed, if, you, if you've never said Jesus, I want you to be part of my life. I remember last year when I was here, David, I prayed with David and Karen. It was just wonderful to see. Really is great to see you, mate. It really is. And to see what God's doing in your life. Wow, oh, man. I love that. 
But if you're here today and you've never connected to Jesus and you say, I'd, I'd love to connect with him. I believe in him and everything and I know he's there, but I've never actually yielded myself to him and said, God, I want to follow you. I want your forgiveness over my life and I want to live for you. Just while every head's bowed, just slip up your hand if that's you say, I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to be part of my life. I'm not going to pull you to the front, but I'm just going to pray and lead you in a prayer if that's you. Is there anybody in that place? I won't prolong it. Okay. 